Cross Point Baptist Church and thank you for recognizing the reverence of the day and the moment. I could tell by how everybody got quiet prematurely than what we usually do. I would ask, welcome those watching on Facebook, but also members and friends of the congregation, if you would now stand for the entrance of the color guard. I've asked Lauren to play the national anthem today. If you would, place your hand upon your heart. And as she plays, think about these sacred words. Now, if we could recite the Pledge of Allegiance. <clears throat> I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. Justice for all. Those are very weighty words that we just pledged, and someday I would encourage you to perhaps print them out and recite them and study the, the words and what they mean. I want to share just a moment here. <clears throat> um, I shared this last year. I thought it would be fitting to do once again. This is the Oaths of Enlistment and Oaths of Office. 
so military, uh, our Veterans Day we just celebrated. Uh, I think yesterday was the actual Veterans Day. I think we honored it on, on Friday, I think, the National Day. And then it continues on for us here at Crosspoint. But the military men and women and even the four officers that are representing the colors today uh, took an oath to the enlistment of the office. And it reads, and I state, I, state your name, do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me according to regulations and the uniform code of military justice. So help me God. I share that with you because this oath, the Bible says it's better not to make an oath than to make a vow and to break it. Very weighty are these oaths. And I shared that because in a moment, we're going to dismiss the colors in a moment. And after that, I'm going to be talking about why at Cross Point Baptist Church, we will honor our flag and um, our, our constitution and why that is so important. But for now, can we bow in prayer, and then I will dismiss the color guard. Dear Lord, thank you for loving us and being our God. As we look at history and perhaps we study history, or some may not be aware of history, not only world history, Lord, but we're considering United States of America, who we are, how we got here. The truth is we're a needy, broken people. All human beings are. But you've allowed us these documents. You've allowed us your providential hand, that, uh, a track to run on as a government that provides what we need as human beings. And that biggest need, perhaps, is freedom. Freedom that brings us to you. Freedom that gives us the ability to think beyond ourselves. Freedom that, that, that allows us to reach out to a sovereign God that is in complete control of absolutely everything. So we lift up our country before you today. But Lord, right now, we want to thank you for the men and women and even the color guard here today as they've taken their time, their life, and separated for a service. But most importantly, dear Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ. Our ultimate freedom is found in your salvation. I lift this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. And now I retire the flag and the color guard.
Church, you may be seated. Some things, actually, Rick, if you want to keep BQ out here for the, the um, uh, yeah, BQ kiddos, I'd have you come back in. I, this uh, part of our service, we've done this for many years. Uh, we don't change it up a whole lot because of what it means to um, the importance of it, what it means to our church members, and what it means to me personally as well. And what I'm sharing is this. This is our chance to honor the veterans that are associated with Cross Point Baptist Church. They all have stories, and uh, sometimes we even spotlight one every year. And I did want to mention this uh, before we do this part of our ceremony. As you know, I was looking at pictures from years past. And uh, when we first started this, the whole, the whole front platform was full of men and women, mainly men, uh, because, mainly because of the draft as well, that uh, have served our country. And over the years, that this, it's gotten a little smaller in attendance, of course, uh, people have passed. And that um, even adds more significance for myself. We need to give honor when it's due. And it's interesting as I talk to these men and women that most, they, they talk down their involvement in the military. And that's the sign of a good soldier, humility. The ones that talk it up, I've noticed, seem to be about them and not the service and or their country. The men that we've spotlight, put a spotlight on over the years have been very encouraging to me because I've had to really work hard to get information out of them. That's a sign that their heart is given over to the service, the oath with which they've kept. In a moment, we're going to be playing the Armed Force Medley. If you served in the military and you hear your song, um, I would encourage you, if you are able to, to stand up and come up front and stand along the front. Now, I think Army is first, if, if memory serves. So um, if you would, uh, when you hear your song, your Army, Air Force, Marine, Coast Guard, when you hear your branch, if you would come up and stand up front so we can honor you and also present you with a gift, we would greatly appreciate that. So uh, if we could, let's play the Armed Force medley now as we honor the veterans of Cross Point Baptist Church.
Air Force. Marines. Ladies and gentlemen, the military of Cross Point Baptist Church, we say thank you, men, one and all. Church, you may be seated. I'm going to ask these men to stay here for another moment. Uh, I know it's in, right now they got to stand in front of people <laughs> as you're staring back at them. It's a little awkward. But I did want to take a moment. Uh, Pastor Roger has, uh, we have a gift for you. And um, we're, within that gift, uh, it's a pillow right here. Uh, and in that pillow is a stack of cards. Those cards are special. Um, the... Um, Mike actually got one first, Mike Throckmorton, and he shared it with me, and Betty had the idea of being able to hand these out. They're cards that talk about the reverence of and the, and the appreciative, the support that we have for those that have served. And some will even say that my service was small. You separated your life for something bigger than yourself and for a way of life known as United States of America. That's not small. That's a big deal. And that card is a way of showing support to each other in the military because um, there's a brotherhood and a sisterhood there that happens, and it reads very special. So we have a stack of cards within each pillow as well. Now, Pastor Roger and I was talking. I was a little nervous to give these men pillows before I preach. <laughs> Pastor Roger, we want to give them out now or toward the end? We better do it now. We better do it now. But the, as they receive these cards uh, and pillows from Pastor Roger, 
um, one thing I always like to ask these guys is, uh, could you still fit your uniforms from when we first served? Yes, no. I noticed nobody's wearing the uniform today. Maybe the hat. As, don't start, as, uh, as these men return to the seat, can we say thank you once again for their service? We are going to, in a moment, in a moment, be sharing pictures of the men that are currently serving from our church that are active duty. But I did want to dovetail with what I shared earlier, because now we're talking about Cross Point Baptist Church. I shared with you the oaths of enlistment and oaths of office. And the reason I did that is because of what these men and women are standing for and against, I would say, as well. You may think, and some have even said this has been a topic for uh, discussion, not for me, because I'm, I know right where I stand. But a handful of years ago, the discussion become this, that should churches in America have flags, have American flags? And I was reading this, and we've had discussions about it, because uh, there are many Bible-believing churches around the world, like ours, like our church, uh, do they honor their veterans? Well, I don't know. What if some of these underground Bible-believing churches that have men and women serving their military that are openly against God, should it be in their churches? Should they honor them? That's the argument or the thought that's kind of made. The church is bigger than any one government is the point. At Cross Point Baptist Church, we will honor the men and the women who have served, especially because of the oath they swore to. That is to uphold and defend the Constitution, especially the Bill of Rights and the First Amendment, the freedom of religion. I'm going to read that right now in just a handful of lines. Listen to the very first amendment that we have in the Bill Bill of Rights. reads, The Constitution shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abriding the freedom of speech or the press, or the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for redress and grievances. The oath that they swore to references the first law of the land, if you will, known as the First Amendment. This oath supports and defends the Constitution, which relates directly to Cross Point Baptist Church. 
very directly to this church right here. You may think, ah, Pastor Scott, you shared this before. And if you're younger in here, uh, in BQ or in New Life, you, you may not know why, why do old people get so patriotic? What's the big deal? It's because of this right here. The, the, sometimes they have to go abroad and able to keep what we have right here within our own four, uh, in our, within our own boundaries. As it relates to Cross Point Baptist Church, this First Amendment, and the freedom to establish this religion and exercise thereof. We're able to meet today because of a document known as the Constitution, known as the Bill of Rights. But how does that relate to the church? That's why we're able to meet and share the things of God that over history has been tried to be stomped out, burned, destroyed. It's going to, by the way, that's going to happen again in the future, according to Revelation. We do not hold any government higher than our God. We do not hold any president or prime minister higher than our God. We don't hold any document higher than the Bible. However, the Constitution and these Bill of Rights gives us the ability that's to, to meet like we do, and that's why we honor the veterans of our church. I want to share two more uh, thoughts here, and then we'll have the BQ um, head back to their class. I've asked, uh, we have four young men serving right now in uh, active duty right now uh, in, as it relates to Cross Point Baptist Church. And as each picture shows, um, you'll recognize each of these men. So the first is Juan. Juan actually called me two weeks ago. And the phone, he left a voicemail, or he texted me, I'm sorry, he texted me, uh, saying that um, he, uh, he's stateside. So he is now in stateside again. And I asked him what his future plans was, and he said were, and he said to, uh, he said, I'm doing my full 20. He wants his full 20 and retire, and after that, he's considering law enforcement. So I made a little tease back at him about the mustache, and he may have gained a couple pounds since the last time I've seen him. No reply. So <laughs> we uh, keep, uh, keep Juan in your thoughts and prayers as well. Who is that? Is that? That's Kurt. Okay. He blended in. I couldn't tell. That was, I didn't know we are doing it. So that's Kurt um, uh, serving and preparing for uh, uh, military um, as well as endeavors. Um, he is at West Point right now. Um, how, he's only one year at West Point right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So be in prayer for Kurt as he's preparing for the future. Next picture. That's Jake. Jake has graduated from Air Force Academy. If I remember right, he's in Asia right now. Is that correct? He's in Japan. So uh, as, um, and, and help me with his um, title. Second Lieutenant. So as an officer, um, uh, he's over there serving. Um, he, I will say this much, he also gets to pursue one of his passions, which is wrestling. He was a collegiate wrestler, and once he graduated out, that it's kind of over from there. But he, he still has his hands involved and is able to uh, uh, impact youth in that way. Next picture is Johnny Prem, 
who is in uh, Fort Bragg right now, uh, is where he's at. We have, uh, we have a, several pictures. I have, I have had several pictures on him. Every picture seemed to involve a, a weapon of some sort. He likes the weapons. But um, he is in Fort Bragg right now. I don't want to, probably shouldn't share any more information than that without talking to the parents first because uh, being active duty, sometimes they can be deployed and I just don't want to touch it. Is it okay? Yeah, he's in Fort Bragg. I think his, um, um, again, pardon my ignorance on the um, terminology, his window of deployment is winding down, right? Yeah. So uh, right now in our country, it's a scary time as we consider these things, isn't it, of deployment. We have, uh, we can find ourselves in a lot of issues really quickly, and I'll let that be for now. That's all. That's all for Yeah, I had to rethink. So uh, these are our Veterans Day presentation. Thank you, men and women, and I thank you for allowing us to be able to do this because we need to be reminded of the importance of our veterans, but also teaching the importance of it as well. I hope one day that our kids and teens will, will maybe, uh, they may endeavor to go into the military and see the significance and the importance of what we're doing and how it affects our church. Let us uh, have a brief word of prayer. The praise team will come and get us, uh, our minds fixed on the things of God. Can we bow for prayer? Dear Lord, again, we come before you in a time thanking you in this brief prayer. We want to welcome you into our presence. We have um, agendas. We get busy. We get too busy for our own good sometimes. Other times, dear Lord, we're lazy. Spiritually lazy. We're physically lazy when we need to be moving. So wherever we find ourselves today, may, it, may you be at the forefront. May we be well-pleasing to you as we open the word today, the Judges chapter 6, as we consider our walk with you. May that walk take step, a step or steps closer to the cross today. Thank you for your guidance and your love and your sovereignty. I lift this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
I'll ask the ushers to come forward as we prepare to collect the offering. I want to read to you from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Here's what it says. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. This is Paul enlisting Timothy to be set apart. You know, when you're a soldier, when you're in the armed forces, you're set aside, you're trained, but you're separated from the rest of society. You're sanctified to be ready for that service to your country. As Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are to be sanctified as well. We're to be separate from the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Every single one of us who's a believer is enlisted in the army of Jesus Christ. We're to be out there winning souls to Christ according to his will and representing him in a way that pleases him. So with that, as we prepare to collect the offering, let's pray that Crosspoint will be set apart from the rest of this world. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for sanctification, Lord. Your Holy Spirit separates us 
makes us more and more like Jesus Christ for those of us who are believers. Lord, we're praying for souls even in this room today who may have never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. Make him the Lord and Savior of their life. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit and your word would work in those hearts. Draw people unto yourself as you see fit and help us to live lives that are fully committed to you. Well, thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Approaches on, um, <clears throat> I always, uh, I think you've heard me say this, that uh, I start to prepare myself um, by watching either movies or documentaries uh, of American, mainly American, sometimes world, um, wars and battles and things of that nature. Why do I do that? Because I don't want to come up here uneducated and unaware and unsympathetic to what the men and women that have served um, as, as it relates to our church, but also abroad, um, I want to have an understanding. I did not serve in the military. And um, as I do that, that did, that did that this year, I watched several things. Um, it gets my mind starts to thinking, uh, not what would I do, not those situations, but why are we there? Why are we doing these things? And as I'm looking back and watching these wars and battles of the past, please don't forget we're volatile right now. And I want to be very careful in what I say because it, it, not because I'm afraid of saying something wrong as much as I don't want to get sidetracked. And I don't want your minds to get sidetracked. But we are in battles all the time. whether it's personal or our government or worldwide. The American soldier fights for the right cause. When the American soldier fights for the right cause, these truths will apply that we're about to share. They're in Judges chapter 6. When the Christian fights for these truths, these truths apply as well. Okay, so this is an Old Testament um, event, not a story, but an event that happened in Judges chapter 6. Not to be uh, uh, conflated with the battle that I had last Sunday. Many of you have been asking, how did the Crosspoint 5K turn out? Remember when I mentioned that last Sunday? You people have been more interested in how I finished in a race than anything else I say. And I will say this, I finished first in the 55 and over bracket. You know what, I think I'll tell more about that on Facebook Live tonight. And I might even have a picture I'll show tonight on Facebook Live. But I do want to say this, because we had fun that day. By the way, be turning to Judges chapter 6. We had a blast that day. How many ran that day? Four, five, six of us, something like that. Uh, I do want to say this up front, that Ben, young Ben, won overall the 5K last Sunday. Ben can play the guitar and run. run he did two things that day that were very special. And I'm gonna show you a picture tonight of young Ben, and it's even more embarrassing for Nick and I and Jake on how he won. But uh, congratulations to you, Ben. And as, uh, Judges chapter six, in conjunction with these applications we wanna draw out of scripture, 
Um, there's something else that we want to accomplish today. We have three people uh, desiring membership at Cross Point Baptist Church. I love this. I love being able to sit down and, and I'm not worried about time and, and, and answer questions. And I love, absolutely love talking about this church. I'm going to tell you a secret about this church. We're the greatest church on the face of the earth. Oh, you have to say that. You're being subjective. We have the greatest gospel. That's what makes us special. A gospel that will take a misfit, messed up people that sometimes we can't get out of our own way because of our sinful nature and put us, because of grace, because of the cross, and put us in a right standing with the sovereign God who's in control of it all. That's what makes this church very special. This church is the bride of Christ. You may think, oh, pastor, again, you're being subjective. You have to say that. I know why you're saying it. You want a paycheck. No, that this church is because the gospel is pure here. We're not, um, we don't want to be ambiguous. We don't want to be sneaky and camouflage it. We want the gospel to be pure and upfront and centerpiece of what we do. That's what makes this place so special. Because it's freeing. It's freeing. Gideon finds himself here in a bit of an interesting spot. I want to first talk about the reckoning. The reckoning. There, uh, I should say the reality. There is a reality that comes face to face with where Israel is at this point in time. There is a reality to where Israel is at this point in time in present day. But right now I want us to go back to the book of Judges, chapter 6. And again, this is a little different. I'm going to read 1 through 10. <clears throat> Usually we kind of go verse by verse. Uh, this is a little different. But I want you to consider the reality. For the Christian who loves truth, these truths will apply for you as well. The reality. Uh, Judges, chapter 6. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. I got to pause right there, right out of the gate. You notice, you know, sometimes people will say, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do, question the question on that one, but why do uh, bad things happen to even Christians? If God loves us and we're his children, why do bad things happen? You know, in that one verse right there, you see something that is, describes us to a T, to a T. How quickly do we leave the grace of our Lord, the guidance and the protection and the drawing of our Lord to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord? We do it quickly. That was what Israel did over and over again. Good, bad things were happening to good people. Bad things were happening to God's people here in Judges chapter 6 and numerous times throughout the Old Testament. Why? Because they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Good people don't do evil. See, see the catch? You always want to question the question. So, for seven years they were delivered into the hands of the Midians for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because the Midianites and the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was when Israel had sown... Midianites would come up 
and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the, the earth as far as... What's that word? Anybody heard that lately? You heard of that place? Yeah, it should catch your eye. Guess what? The same area and the same battles that we're, we're seeing today, thousands of years earlier, were an issue even then. Thank you, uh, Brad, for going uh, in detail over that just a handful of weeks, uh, weeks ago. Verse 4, And they went and encamped around them and destroyed the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and, left, and leave no substance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, uh, coming in as numerous as locusts. Uh, both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel's just getting beat from one side to the other. They can't catch a break. There's a lot going on. And watch what happens in verse 6. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Do you see a contrast in what they did in verse 1? Verse 1, they were doing evil in the sight of the Lord. When you get the consequence of disobeying God, what happens? Hopefully you cry out to the Lord. The one you're turning from is the one you need. Hello? The one you're turning from is the one you need. Verse 7. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppress you. And drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in, in whose land you dwell, but you shall not, but you have not obeyed my voice. The reality of their situation. You know, a lot of times we don't like to live in reality, we create a false reality. Or we find ourselves pursuing what somebody else thinks reality should be like, or your life would be better if you lived in with this figment of your imagination. And sometimes we do it unbeknownst to ourselves. But the reality of the situation is, you know where I've seen this most played out is when people have a medical condition or a medical issue. They go to the doctor perhaps, and the doctor says, this is what's going on, and they won't accept it. The reality of it is you have something going on in your body. That's the reality. Whether you want to believe it or not, there's something happening. The reality of the situation. How did all this happen? Well, we saw in verse 1, in they did evil in the sight of the Lord. God is patient, God is loving, and God is grace. Do you agree with that? God is also just. This is the Old Testament pattern for Israel. They love God. They choose sin. They love sin, and God must deal with sin. Sounds just like us today. Have you ever noticed how, when, as believers now, when our response to God dealing with our sin is met with whining and complaining? Like, why is this happening? 
Why is this happening to me? I'm not as bad as. Our response, first response, always needs to be repentance. That's that crying out word. He's the only one that can do something about it. And that seems to be our last response. That's mine. I tend to exhaust every option before I go to the Lord. On, uh, in, you know, I should be going to him first. I know that's not what you want to hear from your pastor, but it's a true statement. I want to do things. I want to be able to work my way out of this. I want to be able to fix things when he needs to be the first that we consider all the time. Where was Old Testament Israel? Look in verse 2. And the hand of, of the Midian prevailed against Israel because the Midianites and the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves and the strongholds which are in the mountains. They're hiding why are they hiding? Because they don't like what's going on. They don't like the oppression. In fact, you keep, as we kept reading, they were, they, they were starving. Man, I'll tell you what, you move one little bit of food and watch how, squ how squeamish you get. We miss one meal, especially as Americans. We miss one meal. We think we have to have three meals a day. Where did that ever come from, by the way? It's amazing when you go back in history and you see how little food people really needed to survive. Now, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, because I'm going to be eating today. I promise you that. Harold. Seven-year oppression caused them to hide, and they were hiding everything. Family, food, in verse 11 you see it, family, food, and their livelihood. You know, I watched one of the documentaries I watched was in World War II, um, and it showed the citizens of France and, and Poland um, fearful and dying. It showed the citizens in doing exactly this, except for they were running out of places to go. I saw it on TV, but some of the men and women of our church of yesteryear saw it with their own eyes. The enemy was rolling down Main Street, running over people and blowing up buildings. Poland went to uh, one battle riding on horses when Germany was coming at them with tanks. It's not much of a battle. Their livelihood was destroyed. They couldn't survive. Look in verse 3 and 6. Again, this is Israel speaking here. Verse 3 through 6, I should say. It gives that picture. We already read it, but it gives that picture of what they were up against. They had no sheep, no ox, no donkey. They had no food. What they tried to plant was stolen from them. It was time for them to come to their reality. What was their reality? This was happening because they did evil in the sight of their God. Reality is truth. But I want you to consider in verse 6 the reckoning. The settling of accounts is what a reckoning means. The settling of accounts. Oh, I'm setting you up for something. Because there's a settling of our debt, our sin account, that can only be paid by Jesus Christ. I'm going to get to that in one second. But there's a reckoning that happens from God. When Israel, look in verse 6, the back part of verse 6, and the children of Israel cried out to God. To cry out to the Lord is more than an emotional plea. 
It's more than that. The word means to cry out for help, but from the heart, from deep within. This cry out has the connotation of, of a groaning with it, where it's deeper than just an emotional plea. It's not a cry from pain or fear. It's a cry from desperation of the heart. Not like the New Testament funerals. Remember when we studied this, how they would actually pay people to mourn on behalf of their family? Right? That would happen. Not like that is not when the people truly were repentant and called out and went back to the Lord. The reckoning, the settling of accounts would happen. In verses 7 through 9 that we read, we see that God sends a prophet to guide them and to inform them. Tells them either their beautiful story of salvation and restoration or is it the same old story? That's what he does in verses 7 through 9. Watch. He either tells them that story, the story that they love to hear, the story that the hymn talks about. I love to hear the story. You guys know that hymn? It's a story of salvation. It's an event of Jesus Christ and his death, his burial, his resurrection. And we place our faith in him and we turn from our sin. He gives us that right standing with God. Oh, by the way, heaven to boot. Heaven just happens to be where God abides. That's the beautiful story. I love to hear that story. Or you're hearing it right now, whether you're on Facebook or you're sitting here and you're going, yeah, I'm saved. I've been saved. I did that thing. Now, that becomes just a worn-out, same old story. There's a difference. What's the difference? Condition of your heart. Do you realize without salvation, you got nothing? You got no nothing. That's good English for you right there. You're, you're empty. You, ha you may have stuff and look and think you're fulfilled, but you're not. This stuff does not last. It will not last. In fact, somebody else is probably going to enjoy it once you step off this earth. Be careful you don't become bored with God's timing. He's not only the God of the past, he's the God of the present as well. Listen to these words. In verse 8, it says that God brought. In real time, God brought. He talked about bondage, how he delivered. Verse 9, I delivered. All who oppressed you is what I delivered you from in verse 9. Verse 9, he, he drove them out. God's going to reckon this account. He is the Lord, and that is enough. Look in verse 10, uh, very first part. Also, I said to you, I am the Lord your God, period. Well, actually, semicolon, but... He's saying, I am the Lord your God. It's a, it's a statement. That's all you need right there. Don't fear their gods, verse 10 goes on to say. When it feels like Christianity is shrinking, it may feel that way at times. And it may be at times. I want to remind you of two things. One, we don't know how strong Christianity really is because we're not the, we're not the, we're not the judge. We're, we're not. We can, we can go back to the glory days of yesteryear and think, man, our churches used to be full. That doesn't mean there were strong believing and Christianity was thriving. It just means you had a lot of people in a lot of buildings. That hurts, doesn't it? 
Because we assume a lot of people in the church means they're all walking with the Lord. Listen, there's going to be a reckoning coming when there's going to separate who's real and who's not. Whose faith and who's not. It's going to come a day when your faith is going to be tested and challenged. How is it going to land? And the other thing about this, if you think like Christianity's losing, and it certainly, certainly does feel that way to me, I want to be reminded of this. Numbers isn't the parameter of how successful Christianity is. Genuine faithfulness. So when we, we look, we're not the judge, but number two is this, we don't know what God's up to because we can't see. Somebody pointed this out to me a while back ago as a missionary. You know, like, man, I keep coming back to the States and I'm hearing how it's, it's not going good. It's not going good. Churches are churches. He goes, in our countries, in the, in the surrounding countries, he said, the gospel message, they're just eating it up. They're loving the message. They're loving it. And over here, you got to beg people to listen to you. So just because I don't see it doesn't mean it's not happening is the point. God's going to reckon that account. Don't fear their gods, he says in verse 10. The, look at the back part of that, the B part of that verse. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites. And you know what? We do that, don't we? We fear the gods of the universities. We fear the gods of governments. We fear the gods that, that control think tanks, that control social media and all these things. We fear those gods. Don't fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell but you have not obeyed my voice. Fear me. Fear me. There's another aspect that I wanted to share. Again, we just looked at the reality and the reckoning. There is a reluctance that happens with them as well. But I want you to see this most important is the response. God's response. And it's in verse 16. Judges 6, verse 16. I want you to consider this verse this morning. And the Lord said to him, Gideon, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. How does that work? One guy versus all? How, how, how does, how's, how's the response? How's that, that? As if one man. There's a reminder that God is with him. Remember David um, uh, and the Philistines, are, they're over on this side and they're yelling some insults and Israel's trying to throw some stuff back. And they said, well, we got this dude, bring him out, bring out your dude and Goliath that dude and nobody's really stepping up for Israel. And, and, and David says, you come with me with a sword, I come to you in the name of the Lord. He had full confidence, trustworthiness in what God would do. A reminder that God is with them. Gideon needed to be reminded. David knew it. Can I speak to you for a moment? The reminder was you will win when you follow me. That's what I want to share with you this morning. You will win no matter what's going on, the situation, the circumstance. You will win right now, but ultimately in the end when you keep your eyes fixed on me. Winning is an interesting term. Winning in life 
is so much more important than winning in all the little things that we think matter. Life. The ability to draw that next breath. The ability to know that when I step off this earth, I'm going to be in the presence of my God. That's winning. That's what winning looks like. That winning looks like I know that my next step on this earth by faith, no matter what's coming, my money's getting squeezed, my health's getting, no matter what's coming, winning is knowing that I am in step with my God. That's winning. There, there's a peace that passes understanding. That's where that verse slides in there in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. It slides in there real nicely when you're, you're winning and the outside world looks at you and goes, well, you're losing. You're losing. You're not winning. Again, the wrong person's making that judgment call. You get to win. I had fun last week. At, we did our little 5K. It was fun. It was a blast. We're talking a little trash, getting it going, all that stuff. I did not win, but I was okay with that. Because I know that that race doesn't matter. At the end of all this stuff, that race doesn't, doesn't matter. I did beat Eric Fryman, though. That, that gave me the consolation that I needed. But that stuff, listen, go for it, strive, that, that's okay. But in the end, if you're not enough with Jesus Christ, it, then you don't have him first and foremost in your life. He's what you need. He is what will cause you to win. You'll fight and you'll beat this overwhelming army as if one man, Gideon. You know what that means? Little is much when God is in it. I'm getting ready to share some testimonies right now. We have had three um, ladies that are coming for membership today. Next week, we'll have another one. And as I met with these three ladies, Roxanne, Sierra, and Haley, Hannah, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I kept calling her Haley that day for some reason. And um, these testimonies I, I, I value and appreciate so much. I'm going to read them in part uh, because as typical, when I ask for testimonies on one page, you know what my life was like before Christ, how and when I found Christ and my life afterward. As usual, ladies write books and they wrote books. I spent quite some time with my highlighter yesterday reading these things. And as I um, want to share these testimonies for two reasons. One, they're coming for membership. They're saying we want to join this church. We want to be accountable before God with this church. We see, in fact, I like asking that question, why be a member? Why does it even matter? A lot of churches aren't even doing this. Anymore. Why does it matter? Because you are committed to. See the difference? It's a difference between dating and being married. Why does she want that ring so bad? It's not about the tangible things. It's the commitment thereof. And in a parenthetically, again, Christ, the church is the bride of Christ. Your commitment to this bride that's connected to our Savior. So in their testimonies, I value them so much. Uh, they, we met for hours that day. I love it. Every question we talk, I love talking about this church. They were sharing their lives. We're trying to make, uh, just connect lives. And in their testimonies, they were able to write all these things out. And at barest minimum, they're able, it's out, on, it's out. Like, it, but some of these things are very private as well. So I'm only going to highlight the things that highlight our 
Savior. And then we're going to, uh, as we consider these three for membership today, Sierra Gamble. Uh, oh, in fact, sometimes I have them stand up front. I, I got with them. I said, I'm not going to have you stand up front. Um, I, I might have you at where you are toward the end, maybe stand up so everybody knows where you're at. Okay. Um, but Sierra Gamble, uh, her testimony, my life before I found Jesus Christ. I was saved and baptized at a young age, <clears throat> six years old. And as with a lot of people that, that were uh, genuinely saved as a child, you know, I asked that question, what your life is like before Christ? And they go, I don't know. Cookies and PBS, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember a lot. That's okay. Uh, this, that falls here with this. I remember the baptism, and I feel I did uh, my, my best to live as a Christian until high school. There, I began to notice some conformity to the world, and I began having um, symptoms of, ex of, of anxiety. I rededicated my life to back to Christ at age 13, and after uh, graduating with a bachelor's degree, um, she began working with um, uh, special needs and, um, in her life. How and when I found Christ as my Savior. At six years old, I prayed uh, for Jesus to save me, and I was baptized at Bell's Lane soon after. At age 13, I rededicated my life to Christ so that I could refocus my attention back to him in high school. Recently, in 2023, I once again rededicated my life back to Christ to realign myself with his will. You know, that's important for us to, to hear. Very important for us to hear that. That our lives, please remember this, as a genuine believer, it's not a fairy tale. We want to be careful to teach this to our children and our teens as well. It's not when I get saved, everything's going to be happily ever after. The, the, the scripture never promises that. The scripture says, as a child of God, once you are a genuine believer, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Now watch this. Your life's going to have ups and downs, but it's constantly going upward in motion. That's sanctification. That's what you're seeing here. That's exactly what you're seeing here. What my life is like now. Currently, I am so broken and sorry and ashamed, but I have a peace in my heart. She's talking about regrets. We've all had regrets. My focus has been allowing God to work in my life, to move past the pieces of my old ways and of being, of being while seeking him fervently. And, you know, speaking, uh, Sierra, personally, we talked about this, and you are in a great place for that because we will do our best to teach the Bible, which is healing for the soul. You seek him. If you will seek him, we want to take off the table that people come to Crosspoint and then say, well, I'm not fed there. If you're not fed, that's on you because we're serving it up. We're cooking it. We're going to deliver it. you got to pick up the fork and eat. You won't have no trouble with that later. All right. I'm trying to set this example for my son as well and his salvation. So Sierra has made that proclamation of faith. I think you can see the genuineness of that, that struggle and encouraging her to be grounded in a Bible-believing church. So all in favor, that's a testimony of Sierra Gamble, all in favor of accepting her as a member, let it be known by an amen. amen. And the opposed. Next is Hannah. 
I don't know why I kept calling her Haley that day, but I did. And they were so gracious with me. At the very end, after meeting all that day, they go, by the way, my name's Hannah. Thank you for letting me say it 800 times incorrectly. I appreciate a young person that's willing to share these things. And again, it's lengthy, but I highlighted the important parts of life that's connected with Jesus Christ. She says, I'm not sure how old I was, but my mother told me that I prayed to Jesus to ask him into my heart. Soon I was baptized. I didn't fully understand everything at that time, and I wanted to make that decision to Jesus when I could finally understand everything about being saved. I always felt a disconnect from God, but never voiced it because I was saved at age five. You know what you see there? Two sisters that had a home that valued the gospel message. Amen? That's important. So I felt as if I had, I had probably shouldn't felt that way. I wanted everyone to know that this wasn't a rededication, but something that changed me. I believe I was saved that night. I didn't want to be saved because my family was. I wanted my own choice on the matter. I was soon on fire for Jesus. I never experienced something like that before, and I wanted to tell everyone the, this truth. I love it when people understand that salvation is individual, not corporate. When you come to our Lord, our, our Lord. Her testimony goes on, I feel like it was a constant battle to work toward making God happy and the thought of, well, I'm saved, it doesn't matter that I sin started to set in. Boy, that didn't fulfill, did it? She goes on to say, my life was constantly going downhill, yet God never left my side. One day, a few months ago, I had my best friend from eighth grade come over and she had a shirt on she wore ever since I met her. It said, Jesus loves you. That stuck out to me. I couldn't stop thinking about her shirt, even when she left. Even though she, uh, she had it since eighth grade, I hardly, could tell she was a, I hardly could tell she was a believer unless someone asked. And that smacked me in the face. I never denied Jesus or stopped believing in him, but I wasn't living for him. All these years, I was living for myself. No wonder why everything was going so terribly. I was living for things that never brought full completeness. I told Jesus I loved him all the all I tell Jesus I love him all the time, yet I wasn't showing it at all. I started reading my Bible and the story of the prodigal son stuck out to me, stood out to me. I knew this story well, but I could I could relate to it. When I read the prodigal's father ran up and hugged him, kissed and hugged him, before he even asked for forgiveness, I cried to Jesus. I wanted him back so badly and had no idea that he was waiting for me all these years. I had no idea I was walking so far astray. I had created a Jesus in my head that didn't match up with scripture. I wasn't reading my Bible and I lost touch with who the real Jesus is. I prayed to Jesus and gave him my complete faith in this. I praise God for allowing me to remember these things. I'm so blessed he has changed me as much as he has. I let go of so many other things that have never served God. My identity is Christ. Isn't that great? 
Every time I read his word, I've been allowing the Holy Spirit to teach me everything I need to know with him, with him willingly. The desire to act and read his word is always there. I'm still learning to put up him first. So I have a schedule and that so I have a schedule that I've given myself for him. My eyes and my hearts are fixated on him. I'm still uh, learning and growing in Jesus every day. I understand the importance of what God has called for us Christians to do. I would add to be uh, also. When I stopped reading the Bible and, and running to Jesus for guidance, I lost sight of everything. I didn't understand the lack of desire is 100% natural because it's sinful flesh. I am learning the true impact of his word. That's what her life is like since finding Christ as her Savior and as she continues to work on that relationship. That's a testimony of um, uh, Hannah Talley. It's a great testimony. All in favor of those receiving uh, Hannah Talley as a member of Cross Point Baptist Church, let it be known by an amen. amen. Any opposed? And the last one is Roxanne Burton. Roxanne Burton. Again, I lifted out uh, because it's a lengthy testimony, and that's okay. I like lengthy testimonies. But for the sake of time, I lifted out and highlighted the points of, that highlight our Savior. She shares a beautiful story of when she was a child. Um, the light that was given to me as a small child by God the Father allowed my fostering an innocent relationship with God before I met his son. She talks about uh, a Bible verse how that God has introduced himself to us at times. In fact, Roxanne, it reminded me a lot of Amy Rink, who is traveling right now back to Florida. Uh, she said, you know, since time I was a little child, I just knew there was a God. God just revealed himself to me. But now that's not the same as having Christ as your Savior. And she recognized that. And that's what this testimony goes on to share. I remember during some of my elementary school recesses, I would sit up uh, against a building, brick wall, underneath the breezeway and simply talk with and pray to God. Without my knowing or understanding, my best friend, God Almighty, was nurturing my little heart toward himself, drawing me ever so closely to him, leading me to finally make the eternal decision about what to do with that light that lighteth every man, referencing back to the text. How and when I found uh, Jesus Christ as my Savior. We all know John 3, 16. Okay, who can recite that? If you have it memorized, uh, recite it to me, and you may receive a piece of candy or a sugar cube. Excitingly, said the mother of one of my classmates, who opened her home to conduct an in-home Bible study once a week during the last 20 minutes of school. Public school, I assume, right? Yeah. Watch this. I was nine years old and in the fourth grade at Silver Lee Elementary in Eugene, Oregon. And, and God was welcomed at our school and among some of the other teaching staff. You don't see that a whole lot these days in the public school. So we students who wanted to attend this Bible study had a parental permission and were dismissed early to walk to her house. I think it's interesting that not only... You could be offered a piece of candy, but it shows you the, the, the date and time, maybe even a sugar cube. They even sell them things anymore? 
Okay. My grandmother, my great-grandmother, was my spiritual rock who helped me, or helped launch my Christian journey and growth for many years till her death in 2000. On Christmas night, the day after her 99th birthday, I purposed in my heart to memorize John 3.16. That's in bold, by the way. One afternoon during one of these in-house Bible studies, um, you know, in the house Bible studies, this mother was ready to listen to those children who had scripture to recite the verse. I finally did it. I recited it. She used a special verse to lead me to the Savior. When I asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior, she explained that all the angels in heaven are rejoicing for one sinner being saved. I praise my God for allowing us students 45 years ago to be dismissed early from school to attend this in-house Bible study led by a humble servant of Jesus Christ. At nine years old, I made my choice as to what to do with that light that lighteth every man. I chose Jesus Christ to be my God and Redeemer and my Savior. The last portion here is what my life is like now, and she quotes a verse. Of Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto the things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In that Philippians text. That is the testimony of Roxanne Burton. Of course, there's more to it, but those are the highlights and what you need to know as church members. All in favor of receiving Roxanne as a member of Cross Point Baptist Church, let it be known by an amen. 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 And any opposed? We are going to conclude service this morning a little differently. I'm going to conclude in a word of prayer. We're not going to have a time of invitation. Um, our time is well spent, and we don't want time to be the determining factor on that. But I did want to mention this, that we don't always have to have an invitation in order for you to make decisions in your heart. I think it's important that we have them. We're going to do them. Don't misread me. But if you're waiting for lights to dim and music to play in order to be compelled to come to God, that may not be a, a cognitive decision. It may be an emotional decision. When we come by faith, it's both. It's cognitive. And it's a work in the heart as well. I would ask, uh, as Pastor Roger, I'm going to have a word of prayer. Pastor Roger will dismiss us. I'm going to ask you three ladies, if you would, maybe go out in the lobby. Are you good with that? And let them shake your hand, hug your neck, and all that good stuff. And, uh, uh, and welcome to Cross Point Baptist Church as well. Let's bow for prayer. Dear God, as we conclude this service, it's, it's uh, a lot going on. We did a lot. We definitely don't want to leave you out. That's not our goal, never our intention. So we come before you thanking you for this, this time frame and this ability. Thank you for life. Continue to do a work that only you can do and don't, don't leave us where we are. Don't leave us. We need you. When we come to you by faith, you said, I will draw you into myself. I will not leave you. We need you on Tuesdays. We need you on Fridays. We don't just need you on Sunday morning. Be our God as we attempt to be your people. 
I pray in Christ's name. All right, I have two announcements. First is our sister-to-sister prayer ministry. Um, we be sure to be checking. We are like less than two months with that left. So make sure you're continuing to pray for your sister, um, send a card, uh, leave a present. But we do have a date for our reveal, which is December 2nd, or I'm sorry, December 12th. It's a Tuesday. Um, we'll have more information on that, but um, put that in your calendar. Secondly, today is the last Sunday that we'll be selling the Butter Braids for the New Life Youth Group. Um, Be sure to, if you haven't ordered, stop back there. They're a great gift, great for just popping them in the oven Christmas morning. Um, But those will be delivered December 2nd, so stop back there, see us for some Butter Braids. All right, and I have several announcements. You know, we need to take care of things. Busy time during the end of the year, and we want to make sure that uh, we cover all the... uh, activities. I wanted to mention from last week we had the Fall Fest. Nobody's talked about that today. We had a wonderful day. It was a great thing. We had a crowd that just was here. Uh, many of them stayed all the time, but we had a great day for that. Uh, thanks to every worker that, that was uh, participating in that and had brought stuff for that day. It was a great day, and I know you worked really hard. You were here and from start to finish. You never gave up, so we appreciate that and the quick cleanup that uh, occurred with that. Also, uh, Operation Christmas Child, the shoe box is out there in the lobby. Today's the last day, a deadline, so if you uh, can't turn them in today, I assume you did. If not, uh, then you can do them online if you want, still want to do that, so uh, be sure to remember that. Uh, sign up for the Thanksgiving banquet. You need to let us know. Uh, and by the way, ushers, if you would, please get in your places. We're going to have an offering this morning for our uh, ushers. If you'll get in place again, we're going to do another offering for uh, Thanksgiving banquet. Um, we do two of those this week, and next week we'll do them again. So uh, while they're uh, getting ready and in place, I'll finish these announcements. Um, sign up for the Thanksgiving banquet. Identify how many people are going to be attending with you so that we can get a count for food uh, amount and so forth. Uh, guys, come on up, and when I'm done, we'll, uh, we'll start the offering. Um, adult Christmas party this the Saturday uh, after Thanksgiving on November the 25th sign up in the lobby for that that's a a great time of adults uh, a gift exchange there's more information about that and then uh, um, one last personal note I wanted to thank everyone Uh, many times we give Pastor Scott a card to uh, to read Uh, thank you for the uh, prayers and thoughts uh, and the passing my brother I appreciate it very much Thanks to those that uh, pitched in and really helped uh, helped us get through the day. I appreciate that. I'm going to have a word of prayer. This is for the Thanksgiving banquet. You don't have to give to come to that. It's not mandatory. But we're asking to help offset the cost that you would participate in this either this week or next. And uh, uh, if you pray about it, and, and uh, we'd love to have you there. But we'd also uh, help cover some of the cost uh, with this offering. So let's pray. We'll ask the offering a blessing on that. And as the uh, uh, offering plates go by, then you'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for uh, the message that went forth this morning. We pray that you would just bless uh, our time here. Uh, help us to leave today uh, knowing that you're, uh, you're with us and that you're always there uh, for us. Lord, we thank you. We pray that you bless the offering. Bless our Thanksgiving dinner, the banquet that we have. May It bring honor and glory to you. Bless the offering that's given today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you.